Canada for the past week, and uh, Customs apparently didn't know about it because they let her back in the country. <laughs> Was it? Yeah. That's funny. If you if you looked like a different nationality, you could have got in easy. <laughs> but uh, sorry, that was semi-political, wasn't it? I shouldn't have done that. Man. But anyhow, it's good to have you home. Could I have your autograph immediately after the service, please? She was on. A, that's that's plenty. Two seconds. Um, she was on a movie set for our guest. Okay. Uh, a walk-on appearance or a walk-off appearance. I didn't get all the details. But anyhow. Uh, and so that's why she was out of the country. Uh, we thought about you. It's really not true. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. <laughs> Man. And uh, I'm unaware if there's special music this morning. So I'm going to act like there's not. Take your Bible, if you will, turn with me to the book of Matthew, book of Matthew, chapter 28. Two birthdays. Oh, thank you. Three, actually. Would you go back to the piano, please, ma'am? We can sing without piano, but I don't want to drive people off. Matthew 28. Uh, Miss Rhonda's birthday was yesterday, right? She's 19 again, I think. Man, good to have her. And then Jake's birthday is tomorrow, Tuesday. Oh, yeah, the second. And uh, Tim Morgan's birthday is... Oh, yeah, he's working in the nursery. We're going to sing to him anyhow. His birthday is on the 5th. What? On the 11th? Oh, way to go, Angie. Okay, well, we're singing to you anyhow. Here we go. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, and the Lord bless and keep you another year through. Amen. The wonderful thing about having birthdays is you get a little wiser every year, or not. Just what I've been told. Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter in the book. We're going to start there and then we're going back to the front of the book. The title of the message this morning is Preparation to Fulfill the Great Commission. In the young adult Sunday school class, we've been looking at the distinctives of a Baptist church. What makes a Baptist church different from other churches? Well, for one thing, we're crazy. But that may be true in other denominations. Uh, But uh, primarily, the things that make us different is that we hold to the individual priesthood of the believer. I don't have to have anybody intercede with God for me except the Lord Jesus. Okay? And then there is the uh, fact that we believe that Every member of the church needs to be a believer in Jesus Christ, needs to accept Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Number three was what, Jonathan? 
believer's baptism. We believe that baptism is by immersion, and it pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This morning in Sunday school, Jonathan answered, I think, five questions, and he answered them all with that answer. And, uh, so I knew, I figured he'd know it. Uh, and, uh, uh, I, there are uh, several others, and I do not have that piece of paper with me, so I'm going to have to wing it. Uh, but anyhow, uh, the, uh, the autonomy of the local church, okay? Uh, we don't have a hierarchy governing the churches, the Baptist churches in this area. Uh, we, are, we answer to our people and to God, and that's it. Uh, so uh, we, we talked about those things, and then we talked about the primary activities of a Baptist church. And the first one is evangelization, sharing the gospel with others. And we, we recognize the urgency to do that because nobody has promise of tomorrow. Nobody knows how much longer they're going to live. Nobody knows when Jesus Christ is coming back. Jesus said himself, no man knows the day nor the hour. Now, we have figured out the hour, but nobody knows the day. And... Uh, you see, for those visitors, the hour is between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. And we know that because it's always between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning somewhere. Uh, it's just the way the time zones are set up. And uh, Jackson, you didn't even laugh. That was funny. Come on, man. He's a tough critic. That's all he is to it. Oh. <laughs> One of yours? Okay, good. Uh, um, In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, now the word translated power there comes from a Greek word meaning authority. All authority. There's two Greek words that are translated power. One of them is the Greek word dunamis, which means dynamite. Okay? Or dynamo. That's not this word. This word is authority. Jesus came unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, I ask you to give me the words to speak this morning. Even as you showed me the passages and gave me the outline, dear Lord, I ask you to give me the very words that will meet the needs in hearts and lives, that will help us to understand what it is you're trying to say to each of us today. Father, without your Holy Spirit, we will not receive and understand the importance of your word. He is the one who illuminates the word for us. He's the one who teaches us all things whatsoever you've commanded. Dear Lord, we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. We give you all the praise and all the glory for whatever you accomplish today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Turn with me back to Matthew chapter 6, if you would. Matthew chapter 6, as we begin the message. The 
Great Commission is what that passage is called that we just read. Go ye and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Well, the world hadn't ended yet, but he is still with us. His power is still available. His authority is still given to us. Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said unto them, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Did I tell you what verse? Verse 9, sorry. <laughs> Matthew 6, 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. As we begin the preparation to fulfill the Great Commission, we need to understand that God is in charge. God is the authority. And Jesus said that his Father has now given him the authority. All power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. As we look at this, what we call the Lord's Prayer, it's actually the prayer that he taught the disciples, but as we look at it, it begins, Our Father. The word Father there is is the uh, Aramaic word Abbas, which means Daddy. I shared with the uh, folks last week about traveling on an airplane with a Jewish family and this little four-year-old girl crawls up in her daddy's lap and puts her arm around his neck and says, Abba, I love you. He'd been dozing, but as soon as she said, Abba, his eyes came open. And when she had said, I love you, smile broke out on his face and he said, I love you too. And then she said, Abba, could I have a muffin? <laughs> and she got a muffin. But that's the first time it ever dawned on me that that's the kind of relationship we are to have with God. That that love relationship of a father with his child. Our father. I like the word our there because it's not just your father. He's my father too. He's our father. Which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I have begun to suggest to people who take God's name in vain in my presence, that they use some other God to curse with. You ought to look at people's, you ought to see the look on people's face when they they say something like, blankety blank, and I say, oh, why don't you use Allah instead of my God? If you're going to curse, use some, you know, some other God. Don't use my God. The truth of the matter is, if you, use Allah's name in a, as a curse word, your life is on the line. Muslims won't put up with it. 
if they think you're just making jokes or drawing cartoons about Allah, they'll put you on a death watch. Hallowed be thy name. Now, what's his name? We call him Abba or Daddy, Father, but his name is Yahweh or Jehovah, which means I am. I am. I am what? I am that I am. And when I think about what I need, I can look to Him because He is. He is what I need. It's not He was and not He will be. It's He is. Right now, everything I need. Oh, that is so precious. Whatever I need, I can go to Him for. We have that kind of relationship. But then the the next phrase is the one that often escapes us. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. We seem unaware that God has a kingdom and we have a king. I mean, right now we live in a country that has a president. We may or may not like the job he's doing. Really doesn't make any difference because we don't have much to say about it until the next election. But we also have a king. And our responsibility to a king is different than our responsibility to a president. Our responsibility to our president is to be loyal to our flag, to our constitution, to our, and to pray for our government leaders. Our responsibility to a king is to be totally obedient. To be absolutely obedient in everything. Everything he says. We are to obey. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In heaven his will is done instantly. Is that how we obey his will here? Or do we do what, decide what we want to do and then ask him to bless it? We must recognize God's authority because he has a kingdom. We get to the very end of this prayer. I'll go ahead and read it all. Give us this day our daily bread. We get concerned about our weekly and monthly bread, but it just says daily bread. Forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. He does have a kingdom. We don't have any right to set ourselves up as the authority. We don't have any right to say, well, I'm a... I'm I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. No, we are to obey the king. His is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. First, we must recognize God's authority. Secondly, look over in verse 31 of chapter 6. Matthew 6, 31. Jesus has been talking to his disciples and to the multitude there on the hillside about worrying. And our people know what I think about worrying. I have a poem for it. It goes like this. If you're worried or in doubt, just run in circles, scream and shout. At least you got some exercise. And it did just as much good as the worrying. We are not to worry. 
He's been talking about clothes to wear, a place to live, food to eat. And he's discussed the fact that God takes care of the animals. Aren't we much of much more value than the animals to God? Of course we are. He's been talking about the, the, the little flowers that grow in the ditch. The lilies of the field, we call them. He talked about their beauty and he said, not even Solomon, all his glory, was arrayed like one of these. What that means is you're not either. <laughs> so you can just trust him. He gets to verse 31 and he says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or, or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom again. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. If we recognize God's authority to rule over his kingdom, then we need to recognize God's righteousness. His righteousness. And his desire for us to seek after righteousness. It seems like in the last couple of generations, we have gone from people who, if they were believers, they they looked godly and they acted godly and the rest of the world just kind of conformed to us. And then the world did a left turn and went way off in left field and the church and the believers are kind of following after them. You see, what do you mean, Brother Casey? I mean, we're no longer careful. I saw a lady... I think it was Thursday. Had a dress down below her knees, about halfway to her ankles, between her knees and her ankles. And she had a bun on the back of her head. That's a hairstyle, ladies. Okay? It's not an actual roll. It's a her biscuit. It's a bun. Okay? It's, it's called that. You okay? And you know what? I saw her, and you know what I thought immediately? I know where she goes to church. I don't know what church she goes to, but I know the kind of church she goes to. She attends a church that teaches that women ought to look modest and they ought not cut their hair. And so she wears long dresses. And you know what else I thought? That is not extremely becoming. I mean, I wasn't attracted to her beauty by the bun on the back of her head and the long dress. My second thought was, I wish more of the ladies in our church dressed like that. Because sometimes I get the impression that Christian ladies, believing ladies, are trying to attract the attention of the ungodly men in the world. And that makes it difficult for the godly men because Jesus said later on, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you have committed adultery with her already in your heart. That's not righteousness. That's not holiness. Peter wrote, be ye holy for 
God is holy. Jesus said, be ye holy as I am holy. God told the Jews, be ye holy as I am holy. We have lost that or we have certainly neglected that. And so we go out to share the gospel and to teach all nations. And they see us and they think, well, what's different about you? I mean, what do you have that I would want? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. We want all those things added without the righteousness. We want God to take care of us and give us plenty of food. In fact, we'd like to have it stockpiled. Okay? I mean, what if a tornado hits Walmart? Then what are we going to do? Oh, my goodness. Clothes to wear. Oh, my goodness. What if you had to wait until Easter to buy a new outfit? I'll go ahead and tell you. For about the past year and a half, I've wanted a new suit. Okay? So I started saving up the money for a new suit. I saved up money. Had almost enough to get a really nice suit. And in February... My brother Ron slipped and fell, smacked the back of his head. Because of his heart trouble, he's on blood thinners, and, and uh, they couldn't get the bleeding to stop, and after four days he went to heaven. We got over there and got to clean out his closets and stuff, and uh, I got two new suits. I mean, state representatives dress nice, I'll go ahead and tell you. Okay? I got two new suits. You say, wow, really, Casey, so what'd you do with the money? I found out this kid had never had a suit in his life, and he needed one. So I gave him the money. He's fixing to get married. He had to have the suit for something else, but he's fixing to get married. And so when I gave him the money, I said, hey, you might want to consider getting a suit that you can wear twice. (laughs) I think he's going to do it. We get all worried. Oh, my goodness, what are we going to wear? Does anybody remember back? No, probably not. This crowd's too young. Do you remember hearing your parents talk about when they had uh, two sets of clothes, one you wore to school and church, and one you wore after school and on Saturdays? One you worked in, one you wore to school. Okay. only had one pair of shoes. Why? Because... We didn't wear shoes except at church and school. Actually, I had two pairs of school because every year I got a new pair of kids. Okay, I only mention that because if you got a new pair of kids, you could run faster, jump higher than anybody else in the neighborhood for about three days till the newness wore out of them. Wow, it was so cool. Okay. But I had one set of dress shoes. I remember the dress shoes because every Saturday you had to polish your shoes. And being the oldest boy, I had to polish my shoes, Ron's shoes, Rick's shoes, Rod's shoes, and my dad's shoes. Five pairs of shoes, Saturday evening. Polish them. 
You say, Brother Casey, you still polish your shoes every Saturday night? No, I wear boots now. <laughs> okay? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. His righteousness. When's the last time you gave serious thought to righteousness of God in your personal life? If we're going to reach the world, if we're going to go and teach all nations and, and, and baptize them and, and teach them to observe all things whatsoever He's commanded us, shouldn't we start doing the things which He has commanded us? Shouldn't we live a godly life? Shouldn't we... Oh, wow, I hate to get into this because you'll think I've quit preaching and gone to meddling. Shouldn't we sometimes turn off the TV and read the Word of God? Nah, that's going too far. Or is it? How are we going to know what He commanded us if we don't ever read it? I mean, you can come here and I'll tell you, but I don't have time to tell you all of it. Most of you want to eat lunch before tomorrow. And that wouldn't even get me started. We are to recognize God's authority. We are to recognize God's righteousness. And then in chapter 24 and verse 4, turn there with me if you will. The disciples have learned that Jesus is going away. He's going to be crucified. He's going to leave. And they want to know when all this is going to happen because he says, if I go away, I will come again. And so they say, Lord, when's all this going to happen? What's the signs of the end of the world? And he says, beginning in verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Let me pause there for a minute because just this past week on TV, I saw a man who said, I, uh, I have come as the Messiah. I am Jesus to this generation. And I thought, whoa, that's a pretty bold statement. But he's not the first to say that. Reverend Moon from Korea said, I am the Messiah. For my generation. I am Christ. I am Jesus. And before that, one of the Beatles said, we're more popular than Jesus. We're more popular than Christ. Well, I don't know what statistics he was looking at. But Jesus said, Many are going to come and say, I am Christ. He said, they shall deceive many. So what did he say right before that? Be not deceived. How can you avoid being deceived? Let me show you something. This is a real $10 bill. Probably one of your favorite presidents, Alexander Hamilton. Okay? You say, Brother Casey, he wasn't president. 
Oh, yeah, he was president of the first federal bank. He was secretary of the treasury, established the first federal bank. He was the president of it. He wasn't president of the United States, which is probably what you thought I meant. But do you know how I know this is a real $10 bill? Because it's got all kinds of things on it that you can't duplicate with a copy machine anymore. And the paper is the right kind of paper. I have seen enough $10 bills not to be deceived by this one. This is a real one. You're wondering what he's doing in church. You say, what is he doing in church? I want to use him for an illustration. You know the story about when all the when the Federal Reserve collected all the used money and they were taking it to the incinerator, they were going to chop it up or burn it, and the uh, $20 bill said, oh, man, did I have a fantastic time last weekend. I went to this country club. And... I got to be the tip for the waiter. And the $100 bill next to him said, Hey, I was partial payment for the meal. And this little $1 bill comes by, and they said, Man, what'd you do? He said, I went to church, and went to church, and went to church, and went to church. Why is it we put our $1 bills in the office? And give tips, $10 bills, $20 bills. I didn't have anything to do with the message. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Take heed that no man deceive you. You see, the deal is, all of these are the beginning of sorrows. Nation, you'll rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There should be famines and pestilences, that's diseases, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another, shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We not only are to recognize God's authority, we're not only to recognize God's righteousness, we are to recognize God's truth. And this is the truth. This is the truth. The Word of God is the truth of God. And if you haven't read it all the way through, then you don't know all the truth. And you need to know the truth. Otherwise, it's easy to deceive you. I was sitting somewhere the other day, and uh, this little boy sitting across from me, and he's pretty much bored to tears. And I said, hey, let me show you something. And he looked at me, and I said, you see this? He said, that's one. I said, you see this? He said, that's one. I said, watch. I went. His eyes got great big. I said, okay, watch, close. His dad was not impressed. His dad knew the truth. 
But that kid didn't know the truth. He thought it was like magic, moving fingers from one hand to another. The truth is, you can't do that. You can't move fingers, not without surgery. <laughs> if we know the truth, we're not so easily deceived. We recognize God's truth. Then we are in a position to begin to disciple the nations. To disciple the world in which we live in. Matthew chapter 16 verse 15 says, As you are going, I know in the King James it's go ye into all the world, but the Greek verb there is one of action. As you are going into the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Share the gospel with everybody. We don't often do that. Perhaps it's fear. Perhaps it's neglect. I don't know. But I'm not willing to leave here this morning without at least sharing the gospel with you. The gospel is this. God sent His Son to be born of a virgin on this earth. He lived a sinless life. When He grew up, He went to the cross of Calvary, took our sin in His own body, and there He died because of our sin. They buried Him. On the third day, they raised, he raised from the dead. God raised him from the dead, excuse me, three days later. And he walked around. Over 500 people saw him at one time. The disciples saw him. Peter saw him. James, his half-brother, saw him. And the apostle Paul says, and later I saw him. And because of that, we can be saved. Because this is the gospel, Paul says, this is the gospel whereby ye are saved. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. In a little while, we're going to have a baptismal service. Baptism has very little to do with salvation, except that it shows people that you are saved and you are willing to follow Jesus. It's like putting on a uniform. You join the Boy Scouts and get your little card. But when they give you your neckerchief and the slide, still have a wolf's head on it? Anybody know? Okay. Some, I don't know. Anyhow. And you put on the uniform, then people know you're a Boy Scout. Especially if you do a good deed to help somebody. There's one little kid came to his Boy Scout meeting, and oh man, I mean, he bruises on his head and on his arms. And the scout leader said, What happened to you? And he said, uh, Well, I did a good deed. He said, What'd you do? He said, I helped this little old lady across the street. And he said, No, I mean, how'd you get the bruises? He said, Oh, she didn't want to go, go across the street. <laughs> Baptism, the first step of obedience, the first step in righteousness to follow Jesus. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. You cannot point back to a time when you said, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I am asking you to forgive my sins and save me. A time when you knew without any shadow of doubt that heaven was going to be your new home. Today, I want to offer you the opportunity to come. And follow Jesus.
receive him as your Savior. When we sing in just a few moments, you just step out from wherever you are. Come, I'll meet you down here at the front. We'll take the word of God and show you how you can be saved. If you're going to be baptized this morning, then as we begin to sing, you go prepare for baptism. The little girls will go in this restroom back here in the lobby, and little boys can go downstairs and get ready, okay? I assume dads are going with them, or moms are going with them, or grandpas are going with them, somebody's going with them, okay? And then y'all come right back up here and go in that door right there, and we'll uh, get ready for baptism, okay? But let's stand together. Again, if you don't know for sure that you're saved, this would be a wonderful day for you to trust Christ as Savior. Father, I pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.